in our final session this afternoon, in a minute we're going to enter into the holy place uh, where the ministry to God was accomplished. The priest always went into the first tabernacle accomplishing the service of God. Not sacrifice now for the people, but service to God. Ministry to me, we learn, a higher form of ministry. We, we spent some time on what qualifies a person. And all those ancient parable pictures took us to the gospel of Christ. that has made you and I a holy, holy and a royal priesthood. That's our authority. But as we progress on uh, to see what is that ministry, what is the service of God in the holy place, here's a picture of the holy place from the outside with its badger skins covering. You see it behind me here. And looking from the outside, it does not look all that glorious, does it? Because ministry to God will be unseen to the world. The world's not going to see it. The size of that was 45 feet long, okay, 15 feet wide. Just in a little cubicle on planet Earth, 15 by 45, the ministry to God happened. And the world will never see it happening. Their eyes are shut. What they see is something not all that attractive. But as we learn, and I jump ahead now to where we're going to be at, we go inside that holy place. It's gold and silver. It's glorious. We can see the glory on the inside that God saw. To the believer, it's attractive. To the unbeliever, it's drab badger skins. And uh, it's unseen. But to those qualified to go in, they will see the gold and they will see things like this. And so now we enter in here, and we're going to start to see there's three pieces of furniture. We'll only get to one of them this afternoon. Uh, on the south side, there was the golden lampstand, the one source of light. Across from it was the uh, uh, table of showbread, and then right next to the veil, you see part of it there, is the altar of incense, not the altar of burnt offering, of sacrifice, uh, of special incense. But uh, we want to talk about the one source of light. If they're going to walk in the holy place, they've got to walk in the light. If they're going to see things, if they're going to see this glory, well, you have to have light to see it. The natural sun is never going to reach it in here. It's covered. And so God is going to provide one source of light that will be called the lampstand, a singular lampstand. Uh, one source of light, and it will reveal the glory so they can accomplish the service of God. Ministry to God, drawing near to my table to minister to me. But they need to walk in the light to do that. And so first of all, we want to talk about this light as we jump ahead. And here, here's the lampstand again on the south side. As we see here, here it is here. We'll take a better look at it here. Another artist's rendition here. And uh, if you go to your Bibles now, let's see the parable first, the, the, the model in the Old Testament before we see the New Testament reality in Christ. Uh, let, let's go to Exodus 25, please. The book of Exodus chapter 25. Book of Exodus, chapter 25, instructions for the candlestick or the lampstand. I'll go back to this picture here. And uh, let me just read the last verse of the chapter first. That's verse 40. Exodus 25, verse 40. And look that thou make them from their pattern, which was showed thee in the mount. When it comes to the house of God, Moses is not asked to use his creative builder's imagination. He's just to be faithful. He's going to see a pattern of the heavenly reality. If you want to see the reality, go to the revelation of Christ. You'll see the tabernacle in heaven. That's what Moses saw. 
but we have the parable form here. And he saw a pattern. There's going to be details and numbers, as we've already heard, and colors. You say, what does it matter? As long as the job gets done, who cares how many of this and how many of that? What color? No, no, God cares for it. It's all a parable of Christ and his body. So looking here at verse 31. Verse 31 of Exodus 25. And thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold. Of beaten work shall the candlestick be made. His shaft and his branches, his bowls and his knops, and his flowers shall be of the same. Thou shalt make a candlestick. Some of you in your translations will not have the word candlestick. You will have the more uh, technical word lampstand. Am I correct? Yeah. Lamps, for they were, it was a stand that held oil-burning lamps. It did not hold wax candles. But before you think the translators are really off here in choosing to translate a candlestick, Sometimes you will translate something by its common usage. At the time this was written, it was candles that gave light and so on. And uh, we do that today. We think we're modern, but we do it. Uh, some of you will remember that when you wanted to chill something, you, in the olden days we called it an icebox. The reason it was called an icebox is because you had to put a big chunk of ice in it. We, we, have one in our, we used to have one in our home. It was an a- antique on display. And, and that... Uh, that the chunk of ice would keep everything on the top shelf cold. When that ice melted, you had to go put another chunk of ice in it. It was an ice box. Now they've updated them. You have copper pipes with Freon going through it. I've yet to go to a house. Sometimes they'll say, I'll go to the ice box. They still say it. I've had nobody say, I'll go to the Freon box. Uh, technically, it's Freon. It, 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 candlestick, the common lighting. Technically, it was a lampstand. Uh, so it's a lampstand with oil-burning lights. It's not a mistranslation. It's just a common usage. Electricians today, when they measure some units, they speak of candle power still today. And so these things stick. But anyway, we see a singular candlestick, a singular lampstand. There's one source of light for the priest to function by. God will not give five lampstands in the tabernacle anyway. In the tabernacle, he gave one source of light here. Now, in doing that, I want to go to a larger picture as I go forward here. Uh, There's another artist's rendition of it. It would have the shaft, which is the stick, candlestick, shaft, and so on. Uh, We're going to see that's going to be a tree trunk. And it's going to have six branches coming out of it, three branches on one side and three branches on the other. What God's going to do and what's going to give light is going to be made in the form of a living tree. He's going to merge life and light together. That what will give light is in the form of life, a full blooming tree. It will have branches, as we just read here, uh, uh, and his branches in verse 31. Uh, And his bowls. Uh, Some of you will have cups of almonds. His knops or his buds, his flowers. So you're having something that has flowers, it has buds, it has blossoms, it has branches. As a shaft or a trunk, God's designed in, in a blooming almond tree in the full stage of life, and yet it will give light. That, that's how he's designing his lampstand. Now, God being God can get light any way he wants. He already did it on day one, didn't he? Let there be light. And there was light, Genesis 1-2. And then he created the sun on the fourth day. There's ways that God could instantly get it. In the tabernacle, he didn't instantly do it. There's a process. There's details. Why all these details? If God wanted light, just say, let there be light. Didn't do it here. It's a parable of our Lord Jesus. So so let's look at verse 32, the details of this lampstand. 
Verse 32. And six branches shall come out of the sides of it, three branches of the candlestick out of the one side, and three branches of the candlestick out of the other side. So to what we have, here's another artist's rendition. The purpose is to give light. So there'll be seven burning lampstands. But here we come to a, a larger picture of it burning. Uh, there's the lampstand, and maybe I'll just use this one for now. And uh, here's your shaft, the trunk, the stick. Here's the three branches on one side, three branches on the other side. Now, they cons it's one beaten work, but they consist of different entities to make up this blooming tree. Uh, you, you look here at verse 33. Verse 33. Three bowls made like unto almonds. So here's your three bowls pictured up here, made like unto almonds. So you have the fruit here on each branch. But you also have a knop and a flower in one branch. So you have the bowl of almonds, then you have a knop, which some will translate a bud, and a flower. So you have three, a set of three, the bowl of almonds, the, the, the bud, and the flower or the blossom, depending on your translation. And each set has three sets of three. Uh, each branch has three sets of three. I'm going to reread verse 33. Three bowls made like unto almonds with a knop and a flower in one branch, and three bowls made like almonds in the other branch with a knop and a flower in the six branches that come out of this candlestick. So each branch will consist of three sets of three. They have the bowl of almonds with their uh, flower and their bud, and it would be repeated three times. So we want to do a little math here. Just take one branch. Is they have three bowls of almonds, and each one would have their bud and their blossom. And uh, so it was repeated three times, it says. Uh, so one branch would ha have how many entities to it? Nope. Nine. Three times three. Okay. Three times three. Three bowls of almonds with their three blossoms, with their three flowers. Three sets of three. Each branch will have nine entities to it. But how many branches did it say we had? It said six, didn't it? So we do a little more math. We take the six branches, multiply it by its nine entities apiece, and you come up to... 54. So right now there's 54 entities on this lampstand, but we do have a shaft. We do have the stick. And God will change the number from 3 to 4. So you get, you get to verse 34. Verse 34. And in the candlestick, some will have shaft or trunk, and in the candlestick shall be four bowls made like the almonds with their knops and their flowers. So you have four sets now with their knops and with their flowers. So you have the four bowls of almonds with their, each one will have their own knop and bud or blossom and so on. So you have a, four sets of three, and so it's, it's higher in that sense. So four times three are what? Twelve. So now you have twelve here. You have nine on each branch. Nine times six is fifty-four. And we do a little math. Fifty-four and twelve are sixty-six. Do you know anything with sixty-six that gives light and is living? And you tell me details don't matter in the house of God? You might not understand, but avoid do they matter. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119, verse 105. Uh, uh, the entrance of thy word giveth light, verse 130 of Psalm 119. And, and so it's going to point us to the written word of God first. The one source of light that God has given us 66 books and he did this long before the Bible was even near complete. 
And the, the, this living entity that gives light, no wonder Hebrews 4.12 says, the Word of God is alive and powerful. It's living, it's quick, it can cause us to be born again. It imparts faith and life and so on. And, uh, and yet it's, there's 66 books. Now you take this shaft here, which is in the middle. There's 12 here. And you take three branches on one side. So you have 9 times 3 is 27. Remember, 9 entities on each one, 3 and 27. Add the shaft to it as you go over, and you get 39. Well, the Old Testament has 39 books. So you get the number 30. Then the final 27 books of the New Testament, that's just one way to divide it. You see those numbers are legitimately in there, 39 and 27 and so on. And, and so it points you to the written Word of God. And so the one source of light that we function the church to get today, thy word is truth. We have the 66 books of the Bible and we're not told to add to its prophecy. And so we have this written word of God that gives us light to see the glories of God and to function. But there's more on that as we go on in our chapter here. Uh, verse 35 will actually show you the position. Uh, I should take you to the next picture here. Uh, it's not adding new pieces. It's showing how you relate the pieces on the shaft to the branches. It's construction instructions. Uh, verse 35, And there shall be a knop under two branches of the same, and knop under two branches of the same, and knop under two branches of the same, according to the six branches that proceed out of the candlestick. How did they align them together? The craftsman would know how with the instructions of verse 35. And then verse 36, Their knops and their branches shall be of the same, and it shall be one beaten work of pure gold. Now it's one. Already the number six is stamped upon it. Six branches, okay? God, that's the number he said. Uh, but he goes on to say in verse 37, And thou shalt make the seven lamps thereof, and they shall light the lamps thereof. Over against it they may give light over against it. So the number six is stamped on it with its six branches. But there's that shaft here that holds a base, and so it's going to hold seven lamps. Six on the branches, one on the shaft itself. So it's going to hold seven oil-burning lamps, but it consists of six branches, but seven, so you have six and seven, but it's one beaten work. It's, really, it's not like a Lego thing, just snapping together. It's just one, stamped with the number seven and the number six. Now the purpose of it, at the end of verse 37, that they may give light over against it. You, you say that's a very strange way to word something. Well, the Hebrew phrase is difficult. It's giving light. That's the purpose of it. To give light. It's going to reveal the glory. Okay? So they can minister to God. But give light over against it, it means, in the, it means the, the light itself up, the face of it. It's going to not only give light, it's going to show its own design off. It's going to show its own face off if you study the Hebrew word. You know, we do stuff like that today. You go to somebody's house and you're sat at their dining room table and you're enjoying it, you can see the food, you know? And uh, you look up, and there's a beautiful crystal chandelier. And that chandelier is giving light on my food. You know what else that chandelier is doing? You say, wow, is that beautiful. It just lit up its own glory. You saw all the crystal in that? It, it lit itself up as well as showed the food. What the lampstand does, it, it, it revealed its glory, and it gives light. You know, that's going to take us, we not only have the written word of God, our Lord Jesus is called the living word of God. He came in the flesh. Yes, we have His written Word, but in His person, we have the living Word of God. 
And as we're going to see, if you'll go with me to the reality now, let's leave the parable for now and go to the Gospel of John chapter 1. The Gospel of John chapter 1, please. Remember what we've seen in the parable. Something that reveals its glory. Something that gives light. Something that has the number 7 on it. Something that has the number 6 on it. Something that is life and light merged together. It's light, giving light, but it's in the form of a living tree. Two concepts merged together. The ancient lampstand. And now he wants to tell you about the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ. We find ourselves in the Gospel of John and chapter 1. Gospel of John here in chapter 1. In verse 1, John 1, you know it well, but verse 1 here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was. Whatever the beginning was, the Word was already there. The Word, the Logos, is the name of the Lord Jesus before He became Jesus. Before He became a man. He was the Word. You know what a Word is? Why, it's the expression of the unseen thoughts of the heart. You can't see a person's heart, but the Word will reveal it, what they're saying. He's the expression of God. He reveals God. But he was, he, in the beginning was. He didn't start. He was there in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 2, the same was in the beginning with God. You say, that almost sounds like a repeat. Almost. The same was in the beginning with God. You see, he was God from the very beginning. The same was it with. Sometimes we think the word with means geographically. It means more than that in the Greek word proos here. It's true somebody said to where you are today, I could say I'm with my, uh, I was with my brother Dave Dixon. You know, I was with him in the same room. Well, that's true, I'm with him. But now they could word it different. Uh, somebody could say, uh, brother, who's your favorite football team? And I say the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Brother Dave Dixon says, I'm not with you. Now, what does he mean? He doesn't mean he's in this. He means I'm not in agreement with you. I'm not in harmony with you. I'm not in fellowship with you. The same was in the beginning with God. He was God in essence and true fellowship. He didn't evolve into Godhood. The same was in the beginning with God. The eternal Son here in, in, in the Lord Jesus. The Word, the expression of God. Verse 3. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. He's the Creator. God said in Genesis 1. That's the Word. Well, verse 4 now. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. In Him was life. He didn't get life like you and I. He is life. He's called that eternal life in 1 John 1, 2. In Him was life. He's eternal life. He never had a beginning. Never has an end. I can't take that end, okay? And the life was the light of men. Life and light are merged together. He's life, and he gives light to men. Now, I'm going to say more on this verse in a minute, but I'm going to jump ahead for thought flow right now. So jumping ahead to verse 14. We've already learned that he's the creator. In the beginning was God. You know what that number will associate our Lord Jesus with? Seven. God's number, completion, perfection. He's a seven. But now look at verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He became a man. 
You know what man's number in the Bible is? Six. Because man was created on the sixth day. That's when he created Adam and Eve, sixth day. God's number is seven. Man's number is six. He's a seven. He's the eternal creator. He became flesh. He's a six. This lampstand just happens to have a seven and a six. Why does God pick these numbers? They help as a parable to concrete things here. But look at the rest of verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That word dwelt among us is the word tabernacled among us. He lived among us. He dwelt among us. He ta- the word, and we beheld His glory. You see, that lampstand lit up itself. Gives light over against it as well as giving light. And we beheld the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We beheld His glory, they said. You could see the greatness of the Son of God. You know what He went on to do? Well, what light does? Somebody read nice and loud verse 18. 118, please. No one's seen God at any time. How do people know what God is like? He wouldn't do this. He wouldn't judge. He would do this. How do they, they've never seen Him. But the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. That's the word revealed, exegemio in the Greek, exegesis, the interpretation of Scripture. You know? Uh, exposition of Scripture. He's revealed Him so that He has revealed, the, just like this, revealed the glory of this tabernacle and revealed the glory of itself. Christ is in the bosom of the Father. He's one with Him. He's revealed Him. He's with God. And you and I, light reveals, you and I can know things for sure. People say, well, I can't really say there's a hell or a heaven. Why can't you? Well, I've never seen it. Well, that's true, but He has. And He's revealed it. How do I know there's a hell? I don't really want to believe in a hell. People burn in fire. The rich man died and lifted up his eyes in hell, being in torment. The light said, there's a hell. Is there really mansions in the sky? In my Father's house are many mansions. John 14. I can know these things. Just if the lights were off and it was pitch dark in here, and you didn't know where I put my laser and it was over here for some reason, and uh, you say, I'll go get the laser. You have no idea. You trip over the table. You're just stumbling. But if the lights are on, you can say, well, here it is. I found it. I say, don't be so dogmatic. You say, well, what do you mean? Here it is. I can see it. We can be dogmatic when the light says it. I don't need observation. I need revelation. And he hath revealed him. And I trust the light of the world. So we can know the things of God. We can know God. Uh, He hath revealed him. And he reveals the glory. And he reveals God. And he is God. He's a seven. He's a six. He became man. But with that in mind, you go back to verse 4. John 1, 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Remember the ancient lampstand? Well, it does give light. There it is. You see the little burning lights there? But it also is in the form of a living tree. It's life and light merged together in one. And notice that the source of light is life. What's going to hold these lamps to give light is something in the form of life. That's the way God designed it. So that light is coming from life, a living tree in the full stage of life here. So again, verse 4 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. That's a divine order there. We, We want light today. People want wisdom. They go to outer space to discover extraterrestrial life, to find our origins, how to live longer, etc. 
And we're looking for all this light, but you've got to remember that light comes from life. And He's eternal life. And we bypass Christ. You know, he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Okay? If you want life, you have to have Christ. And when you have Him, eternal life, he, that life emits light. That's the story of the lampstand. Look at it again. Go to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. In verse 12, I'm reading from John 8 and verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. See the order? The light of life. It's not that light gives life. It is that life gives light. The light of life. We make the mistake in our zeal to convert the unsaved, and we think if we can just get them to see this light. I'll win the evolution debate. I'll get them to see this. They'll say, I don't see it. Of course they don't see it because they lack life. You get them to have life, and they'll start to see things they never did because they'll have light. Light comes from life. You know, his name was Bob. It happened in Florida. He came to one of our intensive teaching classes years ago, and he walked in the middle when I was teaching on baptism. And Bob came up after hearing that. He said, you know, I got saved two weeks ago at college. He said, would you baptize me? Well, we had to sit down with him and the board of directors to see if he was saved and so on. But uh, eventually, I baptized him at that lake. It was in Florida at Camp Horizon, and they have alligators in that lake. And it was the fastest baptism I ever did. <laughs> and a young girl stood on the shore with her hair barrettes and went like that with him, with her teeth on him when I got in. It, it, but it was quick. But, but he, Bob told me this story. He said, Randy, he said, I am schooled in evolution. He said, I could win a debate with you. I didn't argue with him. I didn't argue with him at all. He says, you know, I don't believe a word of it now. I said, why not, Bob? He says, since I got saved, I just see it's not true. He's the creator. It was life that brought him to light. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 4, please. Go with me to Ephesians chapter. I didn't realize we've got to give an answer when asked. But what we need to present is Christ. And when they have the Son, they have life. And he is the, life of the, he, the, the light of life. Light comes from life. The lampstand shows us that. Going to Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, he's telling the Christians how not to walk. Don't walk like the Gentiles, the world. So I'll break in in verse 17. Ephesians 4 and verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. You say, you know in a Gentile world, you don't want to walk like them. They're walking in the emptiness of their mind. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what, the truth. Look at the next verse. Having the understanding darkened. They're, understand, they're blind. They're dead in sins. They don't know God. They're in darkness. They have to guess. I think it's here. I think that they have no clue. And you say, I know what they need. They need light. That's not what he says the problem is. Verse 18, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Yeah, they're alienated from the light of God, but that's not what it says. They're alienated from the life of God. When they have Christ, the living Christ, Christ in them, the lights will start to come on. Yes, they'll be teaching and growth and things like that. But it's the life of God they're lacking. Don't make the mistakes sometimes. It's if we can just push and drown them in light. Get them to receive Christ. 
And once they have life, he's the light of light. And so we see in the ancient lampstand, life and life come together in one. It comes together in the Lord Jesus. He's, just, he's one person. Uh, he's God and man in one person. And, and he's life, but that life also gives light. He hath revealed him. So it's a living word. And through his written word, 66 books, all that scripture can thoroughly equip us to be a man or a woman of God. So lessons so far from the ancient lampstand that pointed a written and living word of God, the one source of light for the Christian to serve God by. Now there's more to say on this lampstand, but before I do, I'll open it up, brothers, for your further comments and contributions. would think so. And you see, that the skilled craftsmen, God gave them wisdom to, to, be, to work out artistic design, the Scripture says. So just like we carve wood today, they would be able to mold the gold into one. It would be an extremely skilled thing. And God gave them the wisdom from above. And the church today, how do we build the church? He gives you spiritual gifts, wisdom from above. Uh, there's a whole lesson there I won't go into. But uh, it took supernatural wisdom he imparted in their heart. Things that you normally, I mean, that's highly skilled to be able to do that. Make one beaten work. It's one. Christ is one. But uh, he's God and man at the same time. He's a six and a seven. <laughs> okay. What I want to close with is the maintaining of this light. Then tomorrow we'll draw near to the table and see the ministry of God and priestly ministry and what he wants us involved in. What does God call the service of God? What does he call ministry to me? But we have to see, we have one source of light, but because it's an oil-burning lampstand, why, it has to be ministered, it has to be maintained. There has to be priestly ministry to keep it lit. It's the way God designed it. So let's go to Leviticus chapter 24, please. The book of Leviticus chapter 24. I'm going to jump ahead to this picture here. Leviticus chapter 24. And now we see high priestly ministry. It's going to answer for us, brothers and sisters, what is the present day ministry of the Lord Jesus? Yesterday he died on a cross. What's he doing today? Well, let's look at what the high priest did daily. What the high priest did in the house of God daily. Now he's in heaven itself. But looking at Leviticus 24, and we'll go to verse 1. Leviticus 24 and verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel they may bring unto thee pure oil olive, uh, beaten for the light, to cause the lamps to burn continually. So the oil there, picturing the energy that will cause them to burn, uh, the lamps were to burn continually. As long as the tabernacle's up, it was to be a forever burning light. It wasn't to go out during the night. They were, it was to burn continually. So it took ministry to cause that to happen. A continual burning in darkness in daylight. Okay? Verse 3. 
Without the veil of the testimony and the tabernacle of the congregation, shall Aaron order, the, order it. Aaron's the high priest. Shall Aaron order it from evening unto the morning. Before the Lord continually, it shall be a statute forever in your generation. So he ordered it in the evening and the morning, so it's before the Lord continually. Verse 4, he shall order the lamps upon the pure candlestick before the Lord continually. Well, that said it at least twice, before the Lord. Here's this oil being put in there, evening and morning, and it's to burn continually, night and day, it's to be burning there, and it's to be burning before the Lord. Remember, we're in the house of God. This is ministry to God. You might say, but that's a waste of olive oil. You could put it on salads and whatever else you could do with it. And uh, you could say, what a waste. Nobody's in there at 3 a.m. You know, what, what is this waste for? I can understand during the day, the priests have to walk in. On a Saturday, they eat the bread. But, but we don't need it to burn continually. Well, it's, not for, it's first of all before the Lord. God's there. He's taken in the glories that will point to His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, His delight, and what we'll come to see in that. And God's delighted in it. You see, in the house of God, not everything is for man. People say, I didn't get anything out of it. There's a better question. What did God get out of it? What did you give Him? Some things are before, the, they're not a waste. Sometimes we look at things, well, nobody's getting saved out of this. No hurting or being helped. Uh, all we do is praise God. Well, wait a minute. Does God have His portion? Is it really a waste to give God His portion? Not to say there's not a place for other things. Uh, before the Lord, continually. Some of you might have heard this story. My father, who lived with Sylvia and myself for 20 years, uh, the Lord took him. Uh, he moved with the, my older sister the last three years when his mind started to go. But for 20 years, he lived with us. And uh, he grew up in the Depression. And he didn't believe in throwing anything out and wasting anything and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it stuck with him till the end of his days. So when he lived in my house, he could not understand me leaving lights on. You know, in my office, in our house, we'd like to have lights on when we came in at night. To him, that was a waste. And he'd follow me around the house and just turn them off, switch them off. You know, I'd go to the restroom for my office. I'd come back, it's dark. I'd say, what happened? He said, you're wasting electricity. I said, you don't pay the bills. It's the principal, son. He says, you know. I said, you're going to cost more and burning out the switch. It didn't matter. Uh, <laughs> we'd come home at night from ministry. Uh, and the house is dark. And we say, we'd like to come home to a little light. The only light in the house would happen to be in his bedroom he left on. But the rest of the house was off here. And so my wife thought she had a beat. She got one of those timers and hooked it up to a couple of the lights. And, you know, 9 o'clock, they come on. And for a week, it confounded him. But he, being of the old school, found out. He didn't know how to turn it off that way. He found out if you pulled a plug, they said, we came home, the plugs are pulled out. You know, the, our, our daughter then, Mary Beth, lived there. And she would watch him sometimes. And she'd come back, and the house is dark. And she didn't want to come back to a dark house. And she started to call him the Prince of Darkness, you know, affectionately. And uh, she's married now, and her and her husband pay the electric bills. I go over to her house. It's hard to believe. She does the same thing now. She said, these lights got to go out, Dad. She said, Grandpa ruined me. <laughs> but uh, the, the point is this. He looked at it as a waste, okay? And sometimes, though, in the church of God, we look at these things as a waste. And we say, no purpose. It's not helping anybody. Wait a minute. Is it for God? Is he getting pleasure out of it? Before the Lord, can, some things are for God and God alone. They don't have to benefit you. Ministry unto me, the service of God, Hebrews 9, 6. 
If we get that in our mind, it'll change the way we look at the house of God. Yes, there's a need of the people, but there are times that people don't really have to get a whole lot out of it if God is satisfied. But if your heart's in tune with Him, you'll be encouraged. And so we see the high priestly ministry. He's ordering these lamps from evening to morning, which would mean he'd pour the oil in. I just messed this up, brother. Thank you. He'd pour the oil in to maintain the energy for the lights. But if you know anything, thank you, about oil-burning lights, they have wicks on them, don't they? If those wicks get dirty, you've got to trim the wick. You've got to get the soot, the ashes off, or it'll dull the flame. And so the wick would have to be raised. Uh, uh, so he'd have to cut the soot off, uh, trimming, ordering the lamps and pouring in the oil. High priestly ministry. You said there's big things in the world to do. This high priest, he's there in some sanctuary ordering lamps to reveal the glory. And for the God, you say, he could find a better career than that. No, to God's mind, that was the greatest thing happening on earth. Ministry to God in that little 45-foot room unseen to the world, covered with badger skin. You ever think you're wasting your time in the church of God? So what, what am I really doing here? Look at the big issues out of there. And yet you as a redeemed people are ministering and lifting up Christ and all His glories to the Father. You, you think that means something to Him? It did to God before the Lord continually. That takes us to the reality, brothers and sisters, to the present day ministry of the Lord Jesus. So I want to take you to Revelation 1, please. And as I take you to the revelation of Jesus Christ, chapter 1. Any brothers want to comment on the ordering of the lamps by Aaron? Brother David. Well, I'm tempted to say I don't know, but I'm not going to say that this time. <laughs> I, I don't know for sure, but there's a possibility. When they left Egypt, it says they plundered, they spoiled the Egyptians. Go, they asked to borrow everything because they were underpaid as slaves. God put it in the Egyptians' heart. They left rich, and the Egyptian was in poverty. The Egyptian nation came into poverty. Gold, material, you know, all these things would have been there. They would have left filthy rich, as we say today. And so they, they had all kind of things in the wilderness. Once they got into the land, we know where they got the oil. Uh, they grew it in that. But uh, I would think, because of Exodus 12, it said they plundered the Egyptians by saying, can I borrow that? And they said, sure, you can borrow it. They never asked for a time when they would get it back. Uh, so they, they left with all kind of material. I, I just can assume that oil is part of that treasure, uh, or whatever that's worth. Okay. That's Exodus chapter 12. Jews didn't wear out. Some things didn't wear out. God was with Yeah, there's, there's that too. But, but he wants to pour oil in it. it. This is why I don't think this is that type of miracle. He had to order the lamps evening and morning. He wouldn't have been needed if that oil wasn't going out. Uh, so I believe uh, because of the picture it's going to show there was a continual ministry to the lampstand. Oh. You, a source. Well, that's possible. That's possible. But again, in Exodus 12, uh, they, they left with material you can't imagine they left with. It gives you uh, the, the, the happening there. They spoiled the Egyptians. Okay. 
principalities and powers. He did. He did. Praise the Lord. Present day ministry of our Lord Jesus as our high priest. What's he doing today? Well, Revelation 1. Revelation chapter 1. Shows the risen Christ in heaven now, not on the cross on earth, not as a baby in Mary's womb, and it shows him glorified. And uh, uh, verse 11, John hears a voice, and usually when you hear a voice, you want to turn to see who's talking. So he did, and this happens in verse 11, the voice says, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia. Under Ephesus, under Smyrna, under Pergamos, under Thyatira, under Sardis, under Philadelphia, and under Laodicea. So, seven churches, not Israel now. Now we're talking churches, New Testament assemblies. And he's to send this book from the Lord Jesus to them. And so he turns to see the voice in verse 12, and I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Now, it is these one lampstand with seven lamps. He saw seven independent candlesticks. There's still seven lights, but seven sticks now. Uh, seven golden lampstands, or seven golden candlesticks. And right in the middle of these bright burning lampstands, these seven of them, back to seven, he sees something, verse 13. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed in a, with a garment, down to the foot, and girt about the paps or chest with a golden girdle or a sash. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. And his feet was like fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, and saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore, etc. The light is emitting something. In the middle of the seven candlesticks, he sees one like the Son of Man, not, not just leaning on Jesus' bosom at the Last Supper. He sees the glorified Christ in all his glory. His risen high priestly glory, white garment now, a sword out of his mouth, eyes of fire, a shining, shining like the sun in his strength. He's the glorified Christ in all his glory in heaven. And he's in the midst of these lampstands. You know, people today, even today, I understand Christmas has become an anti, but even today people still like Christmas to a degree. The baby Jesus, you know, who doesn't like babies? The worst they can do is throw up on you. You know, they're, but they're nice. They're, they're, they're cute. They're not going to pick your pocket. We like babies. The teacher Jesus. But the glorified Lord Jesus, how many have time for him? And all his authority and glory as God's royal high priest, as he's being presented here, we don't want his authority, you know. We'll take the teacher, we'll take the little innocent child. And, uh, but, but, but the churches are connected with the glorified Christ. And all his glory, and you see part of it here. Now, I, I, I have illustrated this. There is no way any illustration can even come close. So it might even appear irreverent. It's not meant to be irreverent. It's meant to give a concept of what he saw in no way will it come close to even touching one aspect of his glory. But what he saw was seven candlesticks, and they were the seven churches that we'll see in a minute. Each one on its own base, not connected as one now. It shows the autonomy of each local church 
to the Lord Jesus, answerable only to Him. Yet in fellowship with each other. I don't put a face on that because I don't like faces of Christ. But there was Christ in a white robe, girt about in a linen garment. And we see these seven golden candlesticks. And they're lighting, they're pointing to Him, the glorified Christ. The glorified. Now how do we know these lampstands these lamp are the churches? Well, He tells us. Look at verse 20. Revelation 1 and verse 20. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks or lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. And now you learn the value and calling of the church. It's, it's, they're golden. They're golden. They're not copper. They're not nickel. They're not tin. They're of a most precious metal. They're valuable to God. Do you see what they're doing? They are emitting the glory, pointing to the glory of the glorified risen Christ. He's in the midst. If He's in the midst, that's what's being shown. You know, we live in a world that's under Satan. It says in Romans 1.21, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful. You don't know the world. They don't glorify God. You know, they don't thank Him. But here in the churches, God receives Adoration, revealing of His Son. People taken up with salvation in Christ. And they thank Him and they glorify Him. You know what that does to the heart of God? You say, it's not helping anybody. It's before the Lord continually. And that's why the Lord Jesus is involved in the churches. It's the one thing that lifts up the glory to God. Yes, we shine out, but there's also an inreach here, shining unto God before the Lord continually. You ever go to, I know you do, you go to a camp or somewhere, and you look up on a dark night. You see these lights in the sky called stars, right? You go, oh, my, I never saw this. And you're just, you're just amazed. A black background, you see all these stars, and it takes your breath away. You ever think, spiritually speaking, God looks not at this dark world, dark, sinful, under Satan, deceit, denying his name, talking about Allah, killing people, and, and all of a sudden he sees a lampstand in Claremont, California, in Portland, Oregon City, Oregon. Not to say there's only one. He sees them in China and he sees them in different places. In this dark, dark world under the power of darkness, Colossians 1.13, he sees these lights and they're lifting up the glories of the Lord Jesus Christ. You think that does anything for the heart of God? The calling of the church is to reveal the glory, or at least to point to the glory, would be a better word, of Christ and all His glorified exaltation here. The head of the church, the high priest and so on, uh, in a world that doesn't do it. You say, I want to be involved in something big. You be involved in the assembly of God. You're involved in something big. Something that he walks in the midst of. Look at, we've got about two more minutes here I'm, I'm going to take. But go to Revelation 2 and verse 1. Revelation 2 and verse 1. Unto the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Chapter 2 shows him walking in the midst of the churches, the seven lampstands. You say, I want to walk where Jesus walked. Where's he walking? Not in the midst of sports stadiums. Not to say there's no saved Christian athletes. Not in the midst of white houses and king's palaces. Not to say there's no saved Christian politicians. He's walking in the midst of the churches. And he's ordering the lamps. He's vitally, passionately involved in the condition of each lampstand. You want to walk where he walks? You get involved in the local church of God 
and it's so different than the world, and you're walking where he's walking, <laughs> and you're involved in his ministry, and that's why he goes on like this ancient priest here. There he is, evening and morning, ordering the lamps, cutting the soot off, pouring the olive oil in, and he addresses the seven churches, and in some cases, why he has to trim the wick. Five of the churches, he tells them to repent. Not the sinner to repent, but the saint to repent. Things that are clouding the glory of Christ, that are not right heart attitudes. And sometimes churches need corrected. And he has to trim the wick. You understand that. He says, repent, repent to some of them. But he also pours in the oil. He does it to all seven. You know what it is? He says it to every one of the seven. I'm just going to read it once, but it's said to all seven. Look, look at Revelation 2 and verse 7. It's present-day ministry, ordering the churches, the lampstands. Verse 7. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. What the Spirit says. The Lord speaking through the Spirit. It doesn't say, he that hath an eye, look around. Oh, this works over here, and this is nice over here. I think, no, no. He that hath an heart, let him feel. No, no. It's not what you feel. What does he say? Use your ear to what he is saying. And what he is saying is not some special message only to you. John was to write this in a book. Remember 111? We have a book. It's called the New Testament. And to each church he would say, write, W-R-I-T-E. We have the written Word of God enlightened by His Spirit. And if you want to shine brightly, you're going to tune your ear to what the Spirit is saying through the book, through the written Word of God. And when you repent and come to that way, it's going to reveal Christ in the greatest way you can reveal Him to the heart of God. He pours in the oil, the Spirit of God. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith. He trims the wick, repent, and so on. He's like the ancient priest. Why, he's involved now in the true lampstands. You see, he's not in the world anymore. I know he said, I'm the light of the world, but he ascended. So is there light in the world? There is. And it's the churches with the Spirit dwelling among us. And in us. And so his lampstands today are the churches. He's not here, but his spirit is in us. As we listen to that spirit, we can reveal not only out but in and lift up the glorified risen Christ. The calling of the local church, the present day ministry of Christ, pictured in the ancient lampstand and the priestly ministry. May God encourage you in these great truths that are pictured for you, but in reality, they're taught in doctrine in the New Testament. There's more to say. We have more furniture in the holy place. we got the holiest of holies. And Lord willing, we have tomorrow.